The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Hello and welcome to ILTV Zion News on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up in today's newscast, a rocket launched from Gaza hits an Israeli home in Beersheba this morning. The Israeli courts decide to hear Palestinian-American student Lara Al-Qasim's appeal to stay in the country. And the annual Christian Media Summit in Jerusalem comes to a close following some very moving events. War with Gaza has seemingly never been closer over the past four years than it seems to be right now following an early morning rocket attack from Gaza. Palestinian terrorists fired two rockets, one which fell into the Mediterranean off of the central Israeli coast and another that landed just outside of a Be'er Sheva home. Thankfully, though, despite heavy damage caused to the building, no major injuries were reported. As per policy, after the attack, Israeli jets responded with airstrikes against terror targets in the Gaza Strip, with reports showing at least 20 targets being hit. One Palestinian was reportedly killed and multiple others were wounded. Prime Minister Netanyahu also held emergency meetings regarding appropriate responses to the attack, and Belsheva schools were canceled for the day. Then, just hours later, after the IAF strikes in Gaza began, another group of Palestinians attempted to launch a rocket into Israel from the northern Gaza Strip. Sirens were triggered, and the Israeli Air Force fired at the terrorists before they could mount their attack. Another Palestinian reportedly was killed. Even though Israel holds Hamas responsible for any Gaza attack on Israeli sovereignty, however, just last night, a senior Hamas official reportedly said that he believes both Israel and Hamas are eager to avoid another war. And in an odd change of behavior, both the Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad terror organizations have released a joint statement condemning the attack as an attempt to derail Egyptian peace mediation. Hamas's Izad Din Qassam brigades, the military wing of the group, published the statement on its website this morning reading, quote, The resistance wings in the Joint Command Center salute Egyptian efforts to achieve our people's demands and reject all irresponsible attempts that seek to distort and destroy the Egyptian efforts, including the firing of rockets last night. Quote, Some Israeli officials, like Energy Minister Yuval Steinitz, seem to believe Hamas too. Speaking to Israeli radio, Steinitz, who is a member of the security cabinet, said, quote, We must aggressively respond with force to the rocket strikes in Beersheba, but there is a difference between that and being drawn into a full campaign in Gaza. This whole flare-up was caused by Abbas, and we should not let him draw us in. 
If we go to war in the Strip, we will call it Abbas's war because he is the architect, end quote. Such a scenario, if true, would make sense too, as Abbas has been aggressively seeking to find ways of controlling Hamas and the Strip and bringing them back into the fold. All unity efforts have failed, however, and Abbas has now resorted to threatening to pull further funding from Gaza if Hamas continues to negotiate without the Palestinian Authority. Still, this comes just after Defense Minister Lieberman has been pushing for stronger actions against the Strip. He called on his fellow security cabinet ministers to approve his plan for a large-scale attack against Gaza, explaining that a, quote, serious blow to the coastal enclave could result in at least a four- to five-year quiet along the border. And residents in Israel's south seem to be starting to feel the same. But whoever the culprit, Israeli leadership is clearly under immense pressure to respond. This was the second rocket fired at Belsheva since the 2014 Gaza war, with the last one getting stuck in a field just north of the city in August. Furthermore, while most previous attacks were with mortars and Qassam, this morning's rocket was a longer-range Grad rocket. Time will tell who Israel will hold responsible and how. Joining me now with more on the rocket attack this morning and the sharp rise in tensions that it initiated is Middle East expert and former Arab Affairs Advisor of the Southern Command, Colonel Dr. Ruven Berko. Dr. Berko, thank you so much for coming back in. Thank you for having me here. All right, so let's start with, uh, with former Israel NSC head Major General Yaakov Amitrol, who said that anything that we do operationally in Gaza will really only benefit Iran. Uh, would you address I, that I first? I would agree to almost everything he said except for only Iran. Uh. Uh, and we, uh, in general, cannot take into account only one threat and keep suffering from attack, endless attacks from uh, Hamas just not to supply the satisfaction to Iran. We have to take into account that the threat of Gaza increases as, as long as we are keeping silence and not reacting. This hurts our deterrence. And I believe that at the end of the day, with an enemy uh, like Hamas, which is very similar to ISIS mm-hmm. and to Islamic Jihad or Al-Qaeda, same mother, Islamic Brotherhood movement, uh, we have to to take uh, steps to 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 keep on our deterrence existed. Otherwise, these attacks will increase. Never mind what Iran plans, and I believe that Iran really will enjoy yeah, our uh, our attacks on Gaza Strip because it will take the uh, the sites out of Syria, and more than this, even Abu Mazen might be satisfied for for uh, for us having doing his bloody job instead of him interfering in Gaza because at the end of so, the day he would like to introduce a nation, a fake nation, but at the time being well, so they now, are divided. So so I'm hearing two different approaches here and, and the question is which one do we adopt if if any? Uh, the first is uh, maybe Energy Minister Steinitz's approach, which is a hard blow against Hamas, uh, perhaps as a deterrent, and then maybe, if need be, although he says that he thinks it's a mistake, uh, a full, uh, a full-scale operation, uh, a major military operation in Gaza. But then there's also Lieberman, who is again pushing for the heavy operations. So, 
or do we do neither? <laughs> well, I, I believe that we have a very strong and smart leadership in the government and also the chief of staff and the Shabak, the uh, mm. security organization. I believe they will take the right measures uh, in response to what Hamas is doing. But as since you asked my opinion, I believe that uh, we should not uh, act on the ground, but we'd rather attack from any other means that will not directly risk our soldiers. Right. I believe that this is something that should uh, be achieved and, and really we can have the deterrence we need only by using our relative advantage mm. of our aircraft and uh, batteries and other means that we can use in order to gain again the, our deterrence that has been hurt. Uh, as long as we kept silence in response to what they do. Okay. Another uh, thing to, uh, that should be taken into account that uh, that we should not serve the interests of Abu Mazen to create, to unify sure. Gaza on the behalf of our soldiers' blood. All right. Dr. Verko, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming back in. Thank you. In other news, United States Ambassador to Israel David Friedman met yesterday with a group of both Palestinian and Israeli business leaders to discuss economic cooperations that could operate outside the purview of politics. The meeting was a closed-door event in the city of Ariel in the West Bank, and it was put together by the Judea and Samaria Chamber of Commerce and Industry. During the meeting, Ambassador Friedman reportedly pushed for a future of peaceful coexistence based on civilian-led economic interests, with one NGO founding attendee telling the Times of Israel that Friedman even, quote, promised to speak to Israeli officials if we face any obstacles in carrying out our projects, end quote. Tweeting later, Friedman said that the Palestinian and Israeli business leaders he met with are, quote, ready, willing, and able to advance joint opportunity and peaceful coexistence. People want peace, and we are ready to help. Is the Palestinian leadership listening? End quote. But not everyone is as enthused. The Palestinian Authority has long been out of contact with Washington following the United States' embassy move to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv, as well as massive financial aid cuts to Palestinian organizations and the closure of the PA offices in D.C., cuts that Friedman stood behind as part of the greater good. Further, other critics like J Street argue that this is just another effort to support the Israeli settlement enterprise. J Street's vice president of government affairs, Dylan Williams, said that, quote, by making an official public appearance at an event in an Israeli West Bank settlement, Ambassador Friedman once again crossed a major long-standing red line of bipartisan U.S. policy, and that the Trump administration continues to send a clear message of support for the settlement movement and the agenda of the Israeli right, end quote. But whether Friedman supports the settlements or not, there's no evidence to support that statement this time around. In fact, originally, Friedman and his team were to hold the meeting in Hebron, where most of the Palestinian business heads attending the meeting are from. But his security detail moved the meeting last minute to Ariel for undisclosed security reasons. That aside, the meeting did reportedly go very well, with one American embassy official saying that Friedman was really encouraged by the enthusiasm and commitment to working together. So maybe, just maybe, his seemingly roundabout apolitical plan might just work. Just hours before her scheduled deportation, Palestinian-American Lara Al-Qasim appealed yet again to the High Court of Justice in pursuit of gaining approval to enter the country. Because Al-Qasim is an alleged BDS activist, the Tel Aviv District Court ruled against her entry into Israel last Thursday. But since then, there has been heavy debate over whether or not democratic values have been compromised and if this decision against Al-Qasim is ultimately hurting Israel's image more than it could ever have helped. 
Lara Al-Qasim is a 22-year-old American student from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, of Palestinian heritage. She arrived in Israel on a student visa to attend Jerusalem's Hebrew University, but never made it out of the airport after it was found out that she had prior ties with the BDS movement. Al-Qasim fought the courts from the beginning, though, filing two appeals to remain in the country. But the Tel Aviv District Court rejected the latest appeal on Friday, October 11th. In defense of Al-Qasim's deportation, however, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that Israel's stance is similar to other countries' practices, stating that, quote, if you're violently against America and you try to come into the United States, there's a good chance you won't be let in. That's also true of many of the European democracies, and it's true of the democracy called Israel, end quote. Yet the courts made the ruling based on Al-Qasim's past associations, not on her current stances on Israel. Al-Qasim was previously the head of her university's chapter of the pro-BDS anti-Israel group Students for Justice in Palestine, or SJP. It was investigated and reported, though, that Al-Qasim stopped her activities in SJP months before Israel passed its law to prevent BDS activists from entering. They were telling the Minister of Interior, you can't deny people entry on, on a whim. You have to be accountable. Until now, you have not been accountable, but that is not going to stand anymore. This law, if it's going to be applied, it must be applied narrowly, and you can't use it to deny entry to people because of their political opinions or based on flimsy evidence or no evidence at all. In fact, Al-Qasim had even pledged not to take part in boycott activities while in Israel and said that she did not plan to visit the West Bank. Furthermore, Al-Qasim could have chosen to fly back to the United States in the meantime, as courts would not need her present to continue with the case. But she chose to remain in airport detention anyway. The only option now is to wait to see if Al-Qasim's latest appeal will take, or if she'll be packing her bags and heading home. Organizing a huge professional event in the most efficient way is hard. That may explain why event planning is a whole career in itself, considering all the many variables that go into putting on a successful shindig. So we're lucky then that Israeli company Bizabo has now made a cloud-based solution for exactly this. And here with us today to give us all the details is Tom Shelley, Bizabo Product Marketing Director. Thank you very much for coming in. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. All right, Tom, tell me, you know, what, what problems is Bizabo solving? Sure. So as you've mentioned, it is a cloud-based um, service, same as you know, Salesforce invented the sales cloud. And mm-hmm. then we had Marketo that invented the marketing cloud. We came and we said there needs to be an events cloud. So our audience is the event marketer. And essentially, we're empowering that marketer to create events that are actually rewarding and impactful for the audiences. So is this, so this is really just kind of allowing them to keep track of more variables, allowing them to put more things together in a shorter amount of time. This is like for the event planner that I, me- I mentioned earlier. So it really is that type of all-in-one all platform, sure. uh, as you can think about it. It's that platform that they use in order to manage the event, in order to promote the event, in order to execute it. But the secret sauce um, and kind of the wisdom behind mm-hmm. the platform is the fact that it allows the marketer to measure the impact of the events and that's something that sounds okay everyone can measure but no one can actually measure Um, so how do you measure that so we actually know that 24 percent of um event marketers invest in event 24 percent of the marketing budget is invested in events out of you know if they do paid campaigns and whatever they're doing but they can't measure it they literally cannot tell if the event was successful. Were they able to retain customers, acquire customers? And was it because of that event? Yes, exactly. Or yeah. anything else that they were doing. Sure. Um, so with the platform, we provide them a lot of analytics and statistics and insights and recommendations wow. to become better at what they're doing. 
and grow their business through events that they're hosting. And f- with that analytics, does it, you know, does it just say, hey, this, this hit and this didn't? Or does it also maybe suggest, why don't you do a little bit of this? Exactly. So we're definitely, oh, and you can see the analytics here in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, we're providing them those recommendations. And we're actually at the point right now of wow. incorporating AI and machine learning and the best technologies out there to provide all the knowledge that they need and automate the information so that they don't need to do much. And it's already a very profitable engine for them. Wow. And you're on the market already? You're yes, already, you're of course. Already available. For years we've been and on the market. Okay, so where can, where can people find you? Yeah, so really all over the world we have, you know, HubSpot as a customer and WeWork and EI Sports. And wow. from Malaysia to Australia and, and America, we have customers all over. Incredible. All right, Tom, Shelley, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. And now let's turn to ILTV reporter Yael Shir, who joins us from the annual International Christian Media Summit in Jerusalem. The International Christian Media Summit is a four-day event that brings together politicians, journalists, public speakers, and publishers from around the world for a dialogue on important issues related to Israel and the Christian world. A diversity of opinions on the panel, which was nice, but basically it hit on media bias against Israel. Many times in the international media now, Israel is portrayed as the aggressor. Even in Gaza right now, we have what I consider violent riots along the Gaza border, Uh, but many in the mainstream media, particularly in the West, call these peaceful protests. I have a much different view when Hamas is instigating these riots and IDF soldiers are being attacked. I call that a violent riot. This year, the event took place in the Mamilla Hotel in Jerusalem from October 14th through the 17th. Some of the guest speakers included Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs, Sipi Hotavelli, Merit's Party Chairwoman, Tamar Zandberg, President Reuven Rivlin's Chief of Staff, Rivka Ravitz, Ambassador and Deputy Minister, Michael Oren, and the CEO of J Media Global, Jess Stolgen. If viewers around the world only have access to mainstream news that refers to the land of Judea and Samaria as the occupied territories and the illegal settlements, and they highlight the Israeli bombing of Gaza, but forget somehow, magically, time after time, to remind us that preceding those attacks, hundreds of missiles were shot from Gaza onto Jewish settlements. Somehow that disappears. This is going on day in and day out. If we do not inform the world differently, How can we expect them to believe anything different? Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke at the opening ceremony of the conference and thanked President Trump for moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. He said, quote, This is our land, we have come back to it, and we will stay here forever. Netanyahu emphasized that Israel is the only community in the Middle East in which Christianity continues to thrive and grow. We don't just protect Christian religious side. We protect Christian people. Christians should enjoy all the freedom to worship as they please in the Middle East and anywhere else. And the only place in the Middle East where they can do so is Israel. Leaders from all political parties attended the convention and were excited by the interesting panels and ideas that were brought to the table. The people know Israel and know the truth about Israel and know Israel as closely as possible. So they have a more accurate idea about what Israel is. 
This conference is absolutely amazing because I see that sometimes people aren't on the same page. Uh, a lot of people are following other things, but to have everybody on the same page and be able to have this fellowship. The final day of the conference opened with a panel dedicated to the recent victim of a stabbing attack in Gush Etzion, Ari Fold, who has been praised around the world for his pro-Israel advocacy and his ongoing fight against the growing BDS movement. Ari Fold was a true hero. He stood up for everything that all of the people here who have come to this con conference believe in. And I think that it is a great opportunity for them to connect, to really feel the tragedy and understand that Ari Fold was a hero of Israel that stood up for the same morals and the same ideas as they did. And it's an opportunity for them to pay homage and understand what Ari Fold stood for. News anchor and television journalist Lucia Arish and actor and prominent media personality Tzachi Levy got married just last week, and Israel has been buzzing with opinions as if it were the royal wedding. LTV's Emmanuel Kadosh is here with the details on Lucy's response to the media. Uh, take it away, Emmanuel. I'm just going to let you... Thank you. Well, I actually <laughs> saw Lucy's monologue just yesterday, and I was... I was sitting there and I was so happy that we didn't report on this. I was so happy we weren't one of the media outlets yeah. that was reporting about making a huge deal out I mean, of it's this a week old already. interfaith marriage. Yes, of course. But then I thought about it. How can we report on it in a more positive way? And she came out with this monologue and I thought that this was the most mm -hmm. empowering, amazing monologue that could ever have come out from her specifically because she didn't need to talk about it. She didn't need to touch upon all the no. bad comments that she received and she chose to because basically her huge message here is that it's her life whether she is a news anchor whether she's a media personality an actor whatever it sure. is and interfaith marriage but, isn't new if anything it should be celebrated but, the thing is, but that's it i mean you know it was just i think that it was just crazy how she had to respond in the first place right. to something you know saying it's so polarizing just because lucy is a muslim israeli and just because right. Tzachi is jewish it's really i, I mean, think it's crazy because they're not it's like their a, business it's, first I of all was, she, was, yeah was she also mentions that also but i think they're not you know the royal family, and even if they were and that happened, you know, it's their lives and this is what happens and people should be happy that society is going with it. But why don't we take a look at the monologue? All right, well, thank you so much, Emmanuel. And, uh, and yeah, let's thank take a look. I know that you want to hear what I have to say about the Khatuna, and I have. אני חוזרת היום לשבת על הכיסא הזה, לפני הכל, כעיתונאית ומגישה שמנסה לעשות את עבודתה נאמנה לכם הצופים בבית. רק שיש דברים שהם הרבה יותר חשובים על סדר היום של המדינה הזאת מאשר חיי הפרטיים. עשרים נשים נרצחו מתחילת שנה ואנחנו עדיין לא מזועזעים מספיק כדי לעצור את האלימות הנפשעת הזאת. זקנים על ערש דווי ששולחים עליהם חוקרים כדי להראות שהם יכולים לתפקד כדי לחסוך למדינה כמה פרוטות. ילדים חולים שמחכים שיאשרו להם תרופה מצילת חיים, נכים שלא מצליחים להתקיים מקצבת רעב. אנשים שיש מצב שיושבים בכלא על לא עוול בכפם. קהילה להט"בית שלא מקבלת זכויות בסיסיות בגלל זהותם המינית. דרום בוער ששוב נשכח ונופל חלל במשחק הפוליטי. פתיחת מושב כנסת שיושבים שם אנשים ששכחו שהם נמצאים בשליחות ציבורית וכל מה שהם עושים בעצם זה את כל שביכולתם על מנת להביא את המערכת לריקבון מוחלט. אלו הנושאים שאמורים להעסיק ולהדאיג כל אחד ואחת מאיתנו ובטח לא מה שאומן ועיתונאית עשו בחייהם הפרטיים ביום רביעי. ולא אני לא נאיבית. אני יודעת, אני לא בן אדם פרטי, אבל בתור מי שלא יודעת לשתוק על ענייני היום הבוערים, יש לי מה להגיד על זה. ושם, מבחינתי, ייסגר הסיפור. החיים שלי הם החיים שלי, ולא עניינו של אף אדם. נקודה, סימן קריאה. 
And now for our Hebrew word of the day. Today we reported on the appeal of Lara Al-Qasim to study in Israel. So our Hebrew word of the day is to appeal or l'arer. Now when someone makes an appeal or an ir'ul to the court, it means he or she disagrees with the ruling that was made and that he or she is making a request to have the case reviewed again, typically by a higher court. In this situation, the Tel Aviv courts ruled that uh, due to her past, Al-Qasim could not study in Israel, so Al-Qasim appealed or hitria to the courts. Now, we just have to wait and see if the courts will actually accept her ir'ul or objection, which would l'arer or subvert the previous ruling. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the weather forecast. Tonight should be warm with a low of 71 or 22 degrees Celsius, but with a chance of scattered thunderstorms too. Then tomorrow you can expect cloudy skies and no change in temperatures. The high should be about 81 or 27 degrees Celsius.